0: Today is August 11, 2019. And the title to today's message is the spirit of adoption. Come on. The spirit of adoption. Today and for the foreseeable future, we'll be furthering our thousand generations series. When we as your pastors realize that there will be 60 children in our midst that are 10 years old and younger, in this church, by the end of 2019, we were overwhelmed with thankfulness. Speaking
1: of being overwhelmed, I was uh, coming home from visiting the Brazos last week. We were in Lima, Peru. I was watching as all my friends were completely sacked out on the, in the terminal in the Lima airport there. And, uh, I was doing something a little bit different. I was listening to your sermon that you had last Sunday from pastor Eric entitled a thousand generations. As I was there, it must've been two o'clock in the morning and I was listening to it and I began to weep. I was moved by what you guys were a part of last week. Pastor Eric said one thing in particular that that grabbed my heart Uh, As many great things as there were in the sermon, this one thing particularly grabbed my heart. Pastor Eric said, what we do over the next 10 years at this church will echo through centuries. Did that did that matter to you last week when he said that? It's one thing to have 60 kids that are going to be 10 years age, 10 years old and younger at this church by the end of 2019. It's another thing entirely to know what to do with that. See, what we're going to be talking about today is something that's very special. We're learning as a church that God invests in one generation to accomplish something through the generations. What God is investing here at LCM is nothing short of staggering. But it cannot be only for those that are sitting in this room. See, we have to change our mentality. Nobody that I know of has this mentality, right? And we're going to develop here at LCM. It cannot be only for those in this room. It has to be just as much for those in that room there in the children's area and beyond. See, the reason that you need to win, the reason that we have to get over the low living and the low thinking, those sins that keep tripping you up. See, it's on one thing if it's just about you, but it's not just about you. It's not just about me. We have got to get over these things and be victorious in every area. Else, how are we going to promote this through the generations? See, it's bigger than you. See those things that you keep stumbling over? It's time that you get over them. And that's what the, one of the things that the Lord was telling us this morning. Yeah. He's beckoning. He's drawing a line. Why? Because He intends that we win here at this church. It's got to be so that we can be victorious now in our lives, so we can transmit the realities of the kingdom to a thousand generations of those
0: who love the Lord and will, in fact, keep His commands. Saints, what, do, what we have to remember is that when the Lord saves a man or woman, when he purchases them, their descendants are already inside their body. In other words, when he saved you, he expects all of your descendants to serve him with even greater fervor than you are currently serving him. Amen. With such a, so much things at stake in view of this, how much has been entrusted to us? So much. Thousands of generations have been entrusted to us. So therefore we have to reflect and ask the question how serious are you about transmitting what you've already been entrusted with and received? Let's look at this in Second Timothy chapter one, verse fourteen. Say there when you're there. Second Timothy one fourteen. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Well, this scripture lays out a clear directive. That what the Lord has been teaching, He's been training, He's been rebuking and correcting us about in regard to our families and generations, is that a deposit that must be guarded in us has to be done with the help of the Holy Spirit. Y'all need the Holy Ghost to guard what God's given you. As we continue in our Thousand Generation series, we want to start off today speaking about a special event. An extremely special event that we had the opportunity to participate in this week. Mr. Cody James Schmidt was adopted by the Stevens family three days ago. In an official ceremony before a judge in Harris County. And now he stands before us as Cody James Stevens. Woo! Yeah. Oh, it gets even better than that. There's also with him, Wendy Stevens. Yeah. Going into the next generation, there is Moshe Stevens. Oh, no. This is something to be celebrated. Come on, adoption is such a glorious act. It's such a
1: glorious thing in the natural realm. And it is absolutely core in the concept of a kingdom. When we're talking about a thousand generations, you may be thinking, uh, look, but pastor, I'm not married yet. See, and so this topic is, is a long way off for me, so I'm listening, but I'm listening a little bit different maybe than I should. Yeah. Or maybe you're thinking, look, I've already raised kids. I've got kids that are adults now. Look, they're going to, they're kind of done, do, going to do what they're going to do. This concept of a thousand generations is applicable to every single person in this room.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Today, it's applicable to you. See, because in addition to speaking of natural born sons and natural born daughters, what we're talking about are spiritual births. We're talking about supernatural children that each of us must be looking at and looking after for us to accomplish the thousand generations. As usual, we can see that God's people, the Jews, are way ahead of us on this concept. And we're going to learn from a first century rabbi as he addresses the concept of adoptions today.
0: Let's all turn to Romans chapter nine, and we'll start in verse three. For I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. Those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all forever and ever. Amen. In this listing that Paul gives, he begins with the phrase, theirs is the adoption as sons. That means that it is taking precedence, coming before the description of divine glory, coming before the covenants, coming before the law, the temple, the promises from God. And we have to understand that he is establishing that adoptions as sons is theirs. It belongs to the nation of Israel first. Hey, are y'all with us this morning? Yes. What Pastor said
1: right there was incredible. The first in the list was adoption as sons. And y'all are all sitting there like, yeah, we knew that. I, I, I'm going to promise you that you didn't understand what we're telling you right now. I, I'm going to promise you that 99% of you have never even considered this, that adoptions as sons is what the Jews have, and it's what we're talking about today of primary importance. So I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to kind of get settled in and wait another 10 minutes before you really start clicking with us. Because what pastor's about to say is even better than what he just said. So because I love you as your pastor, because we're not here in a performance, we're actually here to cause growth in your life. We're actually here for you to get what God is saying to you because of what he's already said to us as we've been studying to present something to you. The adoptions of sons is an incredible concept. I don't want anybody to
0: miss this. Y'all with me? Say, pastor, we're with you. Oh man, amen, amen. This is reflected in Exodus 4.22 when it says that Israel is his firstborn. But as stated by Paul in this passage, they also had to be adopted. Though they were his firstborn, they also had to be adopted. Makes you ask the question, how can they be the firstborn and yet need the adoption of sons? Well, as you continue to read further, Paul goes on to explain that this is not... Only the natural children who are his offspring. It is those who have been adopted into his family as the children of promise. As the children of promise. You you get the the understanding that God is trying to lay down. And Paul is explaining that this is Israel's inheritance first. That theirs is the adoptions as sons. Because the spirit of adoption began with Israel, and it is the beginning of reaching those promises that God has already made. Come on, let's look at another passage in Romans 8. You're almost right there.
1: Romans 8:23, And we're going to begin to read. It says this, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Come on. So which one is it? Do you have the adoption of sons or are you longing for it? Yes. Yes. Oh, man, I love my church. (laughs) Yes is the answer. The truth is, is that Cody has long since been treated as a son in the Stevens household. From the first day he came in, they treated him like a son. But on Thursday, there was a special redemption that came about. There was a special process that was offered to Cody in a special way. See, now he's offered the character, the reputation, the body of work of the entire Stevens family through this adoption. Man, doesn't that make you want to long for adoption? Don't you want to be adopted into what God is doing? Yes. See, we participate in Israel's family banner. Let's not forget this. It's Israel's family banner that we get to participate in. How? Through the spirit of adoption. This is what allows us to walk in and start walking around like we own it. But it's not that we own it. We get to participate in it. See, the truth is, is that only Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ was the only begotten of God. He was the only one that truly bore the image of the father. He had no sinful nature. And so he was the son in the image and the likeness of his father. Yeah. And God caused Jesus to come and be Israeli when he was here on this planet. Come on. Through the firstborn. See that Jesus restores the image of God, born of a woman, but without a sinful nature. All the rest of us, somebody say all of us. All, of us. all the rest of us are adopted into what God is doing. And that is the spirit of adoption that we're talking about today. Because the spirit of adoption is the hope of
0: our salvation. Amen. Let's look at this further in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we also may be glorified with Him. The spirit of adoption as sons is good news. It's great news. That is the, the good news that is preached, that we have the ability to participate in the sonship that God is offering. And we are able to stand confidently with the testimony that we are his sons because his spirit testifies inside of us by that cry that comes out, Abba, Father. You know, Cody, Cody, when he was adopted, received the Stephen's name. He was able to testify receiving that sonship. Hours after receiving the Stephen's name, he was opposed by distant relatives which means that he began to walk under that Stevens family banner. Oh, he inherited something beautiful, saints. We have to ask the question, does the spirit of Christ in you testify that you are united with LCM? Does the spirit of Christ inside of you testify that you are united with the body of Christ? And also, does the spirit of LCM testify that you belong here? We absolutely want you here. We labor in pouring out our lives, washing the feet of the saints on a daily basis because the spirit of adoption is what drives us to want to offer it to you. It's an honor to be adopted. It's an honor to be adopted into the body of Christ. And even more so, it's an honor to be adopted into the family of LCM. You have to evaluate what are you crying out What is coming out of you in those times of distress? Is it Abba Father? Or is it the cry of a slave that says, this is restriction, I hate it, and I want to cast it off? Receiving the spirit of adoption is more than just attendance as a requirement to be part of a membership or a roster. That's not the spirit of adoption. Because the spirit of adoption is the testimony that we belong to him, that we reflect the family of God and that we are in harmony with the family of God. Let's turn to Galatians chapter five and verse twenty five.
1: Galatians five twenty five. The reason that as your pastors, we are trying to be so crystal clear in what we are saying, the reason that as your pastors, we were moved in our own hearts by the prophecies that came forth this morning. See, we're trying to have the same heart that Jesus Christ has, and it's a spirit of adoption. Yeah. It says that we want you to be a part of it, but you also need to recognize that it is a great honor. Can you imagine if, if the Sutherlands tried to adopt someone, and the moment that they walked into their ha- our house, we've given them our name, we've given them everything, and they go sit in a corner and decide that they want to critique everything that we're doing. Just as silly as that is, is what we're trying to get at the heart of what's going on here in this church. Galatians 5.25 says this, since we live by the Spirit, come on, somebody say live by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. Do you hear the beginning of that? Since you're living by the Spirit, also let us keep in step with what the Spirit is doing. This is us trying to keep in step with what the Spirit of God is doing today. Come on, is your life keeping in step with the Spirit? Is your life keeping in step with what God is saying? Because there should never be a time that you are not bearing fruit in the kingdom because of the spirit of adoption. You don't age out. You don't have to wait till you get to a certain point because of the spirit of adoption. You are supposed to be fruitful at all times in your life. Amen. When you're 15, you need to be fruitful for the kingdom. Amen. When you're 55, yes. you need to be fruitful for the kingdom. Yes. This idea I'm learning as I get into my mid-40s now. I'm learning things and I'm trying to pay attention and be very, very mindful of them. My uh, father-in-law was in town this past week. He is almost 78 years old. So full of wisdom, so full of skill. And every once in a while, just on an off moment, what I'll hear in my father-in-law surprises me. He wonders where he's supposed to fit in. Just small comments that will eke out of what he's saying. That maybe his best days are behind him. I mean, you know, after all, he's almost 80. The spirit of adoption does not let us think those things because they're untrue in the kingdom see what my father-in-law can do and what you can do. If you've already raised your kids, then you know what you're doing. You're helping to make sure that this is multiplying through the generations because of the spirit of adoption. We're all aiming for a thousand generations. So you got one, great. Maybe you got grandkids, fantastic. Now we're talking three. What about the rest of the generations? See, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Now is the time for you to be pouring into us. Now is the time for you to share with us and make sure that we're all doing this together. See, I love it when my father-in-law talks to me and says, yeah, that's not that big of a problem. And I'm going, "Uh, the reason I'm talking to you is because I thought it was a big problem. He's got perspective that I don't always have. He's got understanding. He knows what will work over the course of time, and I can be instructed from him. There is no one in this room that is beyond being useful for the Lord. There is no one in this room... I want to encourage you. Your best ministry days are not behind you. I don't care what you have already accomplished. And God bless you for accomplishing whatever you've accomplished. But we are not building kingdoms unto ourselves measuring what we have done. The standard is a thousand generations. We've all got plenty of work to do. We've all got it. Amen? Amen. The spirit of adoption builds sons who build the house. Come on now, more than just your natural born sons and your natural born daughters. Let's raise up some sons and daughters to build this house, to build the houses that are yet to be built. The spirit of adoption creates daughters who become like Esther adopted and adorned with the boldness and the usefulness of the heavens. The spirit of adoption creates sons who view the father's heart and the success of his work as their own. Come on now. A spirit of adoption creates men like Moses, who after being adopted once by the family of Pharaoh, was adopted again into God's righteous plan. Come on, the spirit of
0: adoption is a special thing in this house. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 12. Amen. Amen. I love this church. I love our church. I love my church. I love all of us. Because I love the spirit of adoption and being able to bear witness of what God has been doing in this house, transforming lives and bringing people into the kingdom. John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him, say received. Received. To those who believed, say believed. Believed. In his name, he gave the right, say right. The right. To become children of God. Amen. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Amen. This scripture is clearly speaking of the spirit of adoption. By having these three elements, that first you are receiving salvation. You're receiving Jesus and who he is. It therefore requires for you to demonstrate through trust, grounded obedience. That is believed. Demonstrate it with action that Jesus is actually Lord of all your life. With those two things, you therefore have access to the right to become children of God. Come on. Not done through human effort. Not done through the will of yourself or someone else. But it is the Holy Ghost work that is transforming you into being a son and daughter of the living God. Come on. Born of God. <laughs> because the spirit of adoption gives us the right to become sons and daughters. Come on, if you
1: don't understand that, just talk to Cody Stevens today. John chapter 10, turn with me there to John chapter 10 and verse 16. John chapter 10 and verse 16, it says this, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd, other sheep. What does that mean? He's got other sheep that aren't where they are right there. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, I've got other sons and daughters that just aren't part of the family yet. See, I've got a spirit of adoption, and I know that I have more room for people to be a part of my family, and I'm looking for them to bring them in. My family isn't done yet. Somebody say that. Say, "My my family isn't done yet.
0: My family isn't done yet.
1: My family isn't done yet. Wow, do you feel that right there? Yes. Your family isn't done yet. Huh. Looking back out at Ella. Think she's the next in the train of, of births to have happen. For up to Ella, she would run a marathon right now and have the baby this second. See, what Pastor read earlier was that you can make a family and have the decisions of a husband's will about how many children you will have. But see what I see right here from the great shepherd is this. Your family is not done yet. The LCM family, not done yet. Yeah. Because I see it in the spirit of adoption. But you know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't go, I've got more room. Let's just go out and get some goats now. Hmm. Let me just go get in. Let's just lower that. Just man, it's important. Spirit of adoption. I got you, pastor. We'll just bring anyone in. How do you know that they should be brought in also? They too will listen to my voice. The mark of being in this right spirit of adoption is, is the same way that we are learning to listen and obey everything the Lord tells us. When you start seeing some glimmers of that in other people, you're like, maybe they can be part of my family too. Maybe they can come in because of the same spirit of adoption that transformed me is going to be able to transform them. Amen. See, because there's one flock. Somebody say one flock. One flock. It says one shepherd. Somebody say one shepherd. One shepherd. See, there's one spirit. There's one baptism. There's one hope. There's one Lord. This is what we're talking about is you got to come in and be a part of what's already been established. Amen. Look to the rock from which you were cut, from the quarry from which you were hewn. It is one standard that we are going here. And it's because Jesus Christ longs to adopt. Man, what a beautiful thought. The spirit of adoption is the very heart of Christ.
0: Let's look at this further in Ephesians 1, verse 5. That longing that God has to adopt. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Ephesians 1 is such an important and vital passage. Many people exegete this passage incorrectly because they don't understand the pronoun usage throughout this passage and this entire epistle. The word us, to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, is speaking of the nation of Israel. The us is speaking to Jews. And this is the father's pleasure and will currently now, just as much as it was when Paul wrote this, the spirit of adoption is pleasing to the Lord because it is his desire and will to see the spirit of adoption begin with the nation of Israel. Amen.
1: Look down in verse 13 in the same chapter. And you, somebody say you, you, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. Who is the you in that case? It's you and me. It's us. <laughs> you were and I were included in Christ when we heard the word of salvation. Yeah. Man, this is what we're talking about. Can you imagine? Uh, let's just put it in a different context for just a second. The first to form LCM. Those predestined to form LCM. Called of God. Anointed. Appointed. And then you and I were included when we heard the message that was being preached here. Do you see the difference between the you and the us here? Do you hear the difference? This reminded me actually of the Sutherland's path to get here. (laughs) Over 20 years ago. Now you know you're getting old when you can say stuff like that. I remember. Back in the day. Over 20 years ago. The Stevens, the P. Rose, and the sutherlands we were all at, a, at, a, at, a, at the same church together. Man, what a, what a glorious time we had getting to know these guys. Seeing the kids that were little before kids, knowing these guys before they had kids. Man, what, what, a, what a beautiful timing that we had. See, and then the sutherlands we were apart from our friends for more than a decade. Oh, we would come and visit... We'd get to know some of you, but we were not in the same church for over a decade with each other. But we came and we heard enough of what was going on. We'd hear the messages. We realized that what LCM had as a church was the kind of banner that we wanted to walk under. We were being developed and the Lord was doing other things in our lives. And what we did was we came here and we were honored to come and be a part. Like many of you, we gave up everything we had. We sold houses. We turned down jobs that were as lucrative as anything as I would ever be offered. We turned all of it down because we, uh, we understood that the honor of coming here to LCM was something that we were willing to give our lives for. And because all we wanted to do was come and be a part of this. We just wanted to come and, and just be one of you. We've been here for five years now. It's crazy. It feels like five minutes in some ways, and it feels like 50 years in other ways. I'm just going to be honest with you. (laughs) But see, what the Lord does for us is the same kind of thing that he would do for you. See, we understood that we wanted to come be a part of this family banner. We were just wanting to get and run where God had for us. And then he blessed us so much more than we could imagine by helping us to lead this family banner. See, the Lord always does that. You're thinking, man, I'm just going to come and be a part in what he does is he so transforms your life. Doesn't he, Linton? Man, what he does is he transforms our life. See, we didn't start here. We weren't quite that smart to be able to get here on the first run. But we're so honored to be here that the Lord has tethered our heart forever to this place. Into this body of believers. We're so grateful to be included in the family. See, what it did for us is it transformed us into the likeness and the image of God. This is not a system. You don't come here and learn a system. At all. Tell us, Pastor, what do we need to do to, be, uh, to, to go through the ranks here? First of all, there are no ranks because we're a family. <laughs> How do we get closer to you, Pastor? Well, you've got to just come and be a part of our way of life. Yeah, but that's really inefficient. Absolutely. <laughs> the fact that you're fighting for efficiency instead of being coming a part of the family and being adopted shows that you're not quite uh, understanding who we are yet.
0: I want to share something about the Sutherland's and having witnessed the relationship that we've had over the course of twenty years. When we were all together in the same church, you know what bonded us together? The spirit of adoption. That we walked in a level of unity. And as time progressed, and there was moving into different states and different areas, each time that we met, it felt like only seconds had passed when the next one came about. That spirit adoption was able to keep our hearts, our visions united because we were uniting with the Father as sons of the living God. And then once God began to move and speak for the Southerners to transition here, it was already established on a level of unity that was birthed from the spirit of adoption that was inside of us. Amen. Let's continue to read in Ephesians 1. Having believed,
1: somebody say believed, Believe. you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Come on. This is, in this case, the Holy Spirit is a deposit that's helping you to guard and transmit what he's given you. See, you yourself remain an inheritance for the Lord. Man, isn't this incredible? We talked about the Holy Spirit helping us guard the inheritance, and here we see it as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Man, the spirit of adoption is what allows you and me to be included in the very kingdom
0: of God. Amen. Let's look at Romans chapter 2, verse 14. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. We read this and we begin to see that spirit of adoption. But we want to replace the word law with the word family banner. And let's read it again with that inserted and see how this comes alive. Indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have a family banner do by nature things required by the family banner, they are a family banner for themselves, even though they do not have the family banner. Since they show that the requirements of the family banner are written on their hearts Their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. The qualification to be adopted into the family banner of God and the family banner of LCM is to have the spirit of adoption. This is so crucial. Because at a time when you didn't have a family banner, but instinctively you began to do the things required in a family banner. You began to show that you were qualified to join the family banner of God, to join the family banner LCM through the spirit of adoption. And this is what we all must walk under. What you're doing is, that is coming from your heart is a result of being led by the Spirit. But this is not for those who just hear the law. Let me put it more into a relative term. That this is not just for those who watch us from a distance, who listen to an audio message or sermon of LCM or watch it on YouTube. But this is for those who obey it. And what I bear witness in this room, that there are men and women of God who demonstrate the evidence of that spirit of adoption, that qualification because of the obedience that you have to that family banner. A true son sees the law, the family banner, as an empowerment, but a slave sees the family banner as a restriction. You know what? A true son sees the law, the family banner, as empowerment. But a slave sees the family banner as a means of restriction. You know where we see this? The most is in children 's church and i 'm not talking about the children themselves i 'm talking about those that have been assigned to take care of them. When asked to their children 's church, what is the response? What is the cry that comes out? Oh, man, this is a restriction. i got to go slave away again. Or do you see it as an empowerment, as an opportunity to pour into the lives of the next generation and raise them up as an inheritance for us to come? The spirit of adoption is the qualification to be under the LCM family banner, and we must embrace it.
1: Are you starting to see why we do things the way that we do? I've been at other, other churches that will remain nameless. And I will put the word church in a quote, in air quotes for us while we're doing it. So desperate for people to come serve in the children area that you could literally attend one Sunday and the next Sunday be serving in the kids area. See, we don't want you to come and do that because we're building a family here. It's an honor to get to serve in this house. Amen. It's an honor to build what the Lord is building here. See, we don't begrudgingly do anything. We're looking at it as our greatest honor. Amen. And in light of a thousand generations, what better place can you serve than in a kid's area? Yeah. What better place can you? Let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, 4. Galatians 4, 4 says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, Israel's family banner, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Do you hear how prevalent this thought is throughout the entirety of scripture? Yeah. But what did God do here? He sent one son to save Another. He sent his firstborn to come and save us through the spirit of adoption, through the spirit of redemption, so that we can receive adoption, the full rights of sonship. Man, as I was sitting there looking at Cody in court the other day, it's I started thinking about the full rights of sonship. Everything that that means, you know, when you graduate from college, they have this phrase that they use. Uh, Now, according to blah, 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 blah. According, you would now have the rights, honors, and privileges appertaining to your degree. Wow. It's fancy words, right? It's fancy. Right, Kayla? See, Kayla, Kayla's heard a few of those. She knows. You get the rights, honors, and privilege of what you've just been granted. When I hear the rights of sonship, he's going to give us the right to be adopted as his sons. Amen. We get the full rights. We get everything that's been entitled to a natural born son. But because of the spiritual adoption, we have the exact same rights. That's a special thought today.
0: That is. Let's look at verse six the same passage. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. But a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Do you hear the echo of what we read earlier in the book of Romans? That this is at the center of Paul's heart, and it keeps influencing every epistle that he's writing to every single church. He wants the body of Christ to get this revelation. That that cry of Abba, Father, is that evidence of the spirit of adoption, is the evidence that you are a son and daughter of the living God. We need to be in those positions where the pressure is on our shoulders. And we raise our head and our hands to heaven, and we begin to let that spirit of adoption move through us and cry out, Abba, Father. And you know who begins to bear witness to that? Our children around us. They hear us cry, Abba, Father, and they want to participate in that same spirit of adoption and join us in that relationship. Because when you get the revelation that you are no longer a slave, but you are a son and an heir, you become an empowered son and daughter of the living God. The spirit of adoption has the capability and the power to move us from being just slaves to now being his sons and his daughters. Amen. Turn with us to Revelation chapter 7. And
1: verse 9, Revelation 7, 9, it says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count. From every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. You know what this verse reminds me of? That this spirit of adoption is designed to be built from every family under heaven. That one, there might be one bride, there's one body of Christ, but it's made up of every family, every nation, every tribe, every people group. See, the spirit of adoption is looking for people to be brought in.
0: The spirit of adoption is what builds the kingdom itself. Amen. Reading Revelation, I begin to reflect on some of the things that God has done in my life, particularly my early years, around the age of 17 and 19. I had received that spirit of adoption, was born again, but I was also a part of my family's business. And that just so happened to be money lending. Yeah. I had a really hard time with this. I would go to work and read the word and feel convicted as I'm making phone calls for a collection. I couldn't identify with this family business. I love my father, I love my uncle, but it wasn't me. But what I did see was something in the Brown family, with Charlie and Joe, that I wanted to replicate. You know, the truth is, when I was born, I was born brown. But not necessarily being born a brown, being okay, cool. in the Brown family. What I saw inside of them was the ability to develop craftsmanship, being able to be skilled in construction, a man with a family that is full of integrity, and building a family banner that is ministry-minded. I wanted to replicate what I saw in Charlie and Joe. In addition to this, it made me reflect on the ethnic diversity of the Piro family banner. What we've been able to partially confirm is that we are some percentage of Chinese, some percentage of African, some percentage of French and European, but who knows what else is in the mix of the P. family banner. But what I can confidently say is that now the P. family banner stands under one new banner. Under the united purpose to propel others into God's presence. Amen. No wonder Revelation 7-9 reminds you of your family. It speaks to me in so many ways. Every tribe,
1: every language, every nation. I mean, think about this for a minute. We're talking about Abimbola Deramola. Yeah. See, before Christ, he was defined by a Nigerian culture. Gabriel. Good-looking Arius back there. The most interesting man in the world. (laughs) Carolyn agrees. She's like, no, that's true. Influenced by his Ecuadorian heritage. Carlos, Colombian heritage. Marlon. You might be special if you're Marlon. See, Marlon was born in the Dominican Republic, but grew up in Puerto Rico. Now living in Houston. But see, all these men may have had a particular ethnicity about them. But now they've been adopted and are in the family of Christ. Amen. Man, talk about a blended family. That's a, that, this is what we are building here in this place. Now, come on. We've got, we've got some newlyweds in the house. I mean, I don't know if anybody has already thought about the beautiful children that the Lintons are going to produce yeah. soon enough. Smiles, full of life. And I know, because I'm your pastor, I know you people. I know that you've already tried to figure out what color of mocha that Abimbola and Jess's children are going to (laughs) be. See, I know. Abimbola's hair, Jess's eyes. See, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to mix and match these to see what this is going to be. See, we're not divided here. We're united because of our diversity.
0: Yes, yes.
1: I think about Cody and Wendy. I keep going back to your family, Cody. Because it's been such a blessing this week. You realize that Cody and Wendy are together as a result of LCM's first long term mission commitment. And now we don't just have Cody Stevens. Now we don't just have Cody and Wendy Stevens. Now we even have Moshe Stevens. Amen. That is a beautiful mixture of what God is doing here. See, we're not designed to be homogenous. Somebody say homogenous. Homogenous. We're not just supposed to put us all in a blender and just mix it up and get out what we get out. See, because we're not divided by our differences. But we're united under a single banner. Amen. Being of equal value in the kingdom does not erase the beautiful diversity that every tribe, every nation, every tongue is supposed to be walking under a singular banner. This is one of my favorite parts about this church and I said it many times and I'm going to keep saying it because I love it. I love that we have so many people from so many different nations, ethnicities, backgrounds, languages, tribes. I love my church. Amen. See, when this is done in you, though, when you really get this down in you, when you really understand the spirit of adoption, you know what God does is he's going to start sending you sons. He's got, he, he's, he begins to send this when your heart is consumed by the things that his heart is consumed by. When your heart is consumed by the spirit of adoption, when you know that this family isn't done yet. So he starts sending you sons and daughters Amen. from the nations. And he's promised that to this church.
0: I want you to say it with me, we aren't done yet. We got, done yet. We, got do. we got more work to do. Let's turn to Romans 11 verse 13. I am talking to you, Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry in hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. Here, Paul is walking in his family banner and addressing his desire for his brothers to be saved. You have to reflect has your fervor For the Lord grown cold for your family banner. Do you possess the same desire that Paul had for his brothers? Because what you need is to see new sons being adopted into the family of God. I remember the day that Peyton came in to LCM. He began to evoke uh, some godly envy in in LCM. It began to warm the cold hearts of those who were in the room. And they let their family banner fall to the ground. When those who enter the race behind you then run to surpass you, a slave feels punished and condemned. But a son feels inspired and provoked to even greater accomplishments. Come on, amen. Who's a son in the house of God? Amen. Who's a daughter in the house of God? This should cause envy in you. And resurrect the zeal of your family banner. In the kingdom of God, there are parents. Parents who have maybe not raised their children, their natural children, well. And now empty nesters. But you have the ability to raise spiritual children that make your natural children even jealous. Now you're beginning to look like God with that spirit of adoption at work. Because the effects on natural children are great. As a result of the spirit of adoption being at work through your family. The spirit of adoption draws those who can clearly see it and desire it.
1: Amen. What a good word from Pastor Matt. It was fascinating to see an adult adoption this week with Cody. You see, that's different. I've seen a few in the courtroom with children who are getting adopted. That's a different kind of feel than what we were. I was able to see a different side of adoption on Thursday. The judge made it a point to speak to Eric. And he turned and he spoke to Jen, and he turned and spoke to Cody. One of the first things that he asked Cody was, Cody, are you trying to avoid or defraud anyone? I thought that was an interesting question to start off the conversation. I was like, well, let's just be honest, I guess. (laughs) No, sir, your honor. That's not at all what I'm trying to do. The next part was incredible, and I want you to get this. We are 48 minutes in, and y'all need to stay with us here for another few minutes. There were three major things that changed in Cody's life on Thursday. I was taking notes and I asked the counselor. I even texted our counselor yesterday to make sure that I understood and I was remembering them correctly. First, Cody's inheritance changed. No longer does Cody have any right or access to the inheritance of his birth father. None. He is now completely a Stevens in every way. He is in the inheritance of his father, Eric Stevens. Secondly, Cody's succession change. Somebody say succession. Succession. The term succession relates more closely to one who would sit on the throne next. Maybe you would think about a line of succession. While the inheritance deals with the belongings of a person, succession deals with the transfer of authority from one person to another. From one generation to another. The third thing was, and maybe the part that people will know about the most, is that his name has changed. Now the character, reputation, body of work of Cody is inextricably linked to the Stevens family. Their victory is his victory. His achievements is now their achievements.
0: And this is exactly what it's supposed to be with the spirit of adoption. You know, this pattern wasn't originated in the Harris County court system. But rather, the spirit of adoption is founded upon the word of God. Let's look at this further in Genesis 15, starting in verse 2.
1: By the way, this may be a world record for us. Turning to Genesis at the 50th minute of our sermon.
0: (laughs) That was just for you guys. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord. What can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Why did Abraham or why did Abram feel this way? It's because he possessed the spirit of adoption. His attitude was, I may not have my own kids, but I'm going to make sure that someone else gets to inherit. Everything that I have built. Eliezer was from Damascus. I mean, He was a foreigner. He was from a nation that was an enemy of God. From the wrong side of the tracks. But now because of the spirit of adoption in Abram. He is in line to be an heir to the father of the faithful. God rewarded Abraham's desire to act in the spirit of adoption. By blessing him with his own offspring. That would inherit his family banner. The spirit of adoption sets up our inheritance for our offspring. Amen. Turn with us to Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter
1: 4. As you're turning, you're already so familiar with this. Ruth is a Moabitess. She is a foreigner. Her people are enemies of God. And look what the Lord does here in Ruth chapter 4 and verse 16. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now in case you're missing the context here, we're in the book of Ruth. And I started in the middle of a passage. So you may have missed this fact. This is Naomi, who is taking her grandchild in her lap. And the people around her are saying, Naomi has a son. See, the accomplishments of a family are always designed to be shared. Yes. When you have the right kind of spirit of adoption inside of you, you're not looking to get the credit. You're not looking to clarify so that everybody understands who gets the rights, the bragging rights here. When you're really part of a family, you're so excited. Oh, I, I, I literally had this happen one time was at another place. And someone came up to a friend of mine and said, hey, that was the best sermon that I've ever heard you preach. And he listened to it. They explained the sermon somewhere halfway through. He realized that he wasn't the one that was preaching, that it was me. And I said, well, what did you do? He said, I took full credit for it. I I said, you did that? He's like, of course I did that. (laughs) <laughs> it's true. True story. See, it's not quite as funny, though, when we're trying to take credit for things that are happening in the body. See, when you're a real family, aren't you just excited when someone in your family is winning? Yes. Aren't you excited to see the Lintons be so happy when they walk yes. in the door? Yes. I mean, aren't you just Thrilled when you see someone succeed in every way. This shows that you're part of the family. See, victory in one area is supposed to positively impact every other area. There's no such thing as a personal victory. Not in a family. But there's also no such thing as a personal defeat. Because there's somebody who's in the fight with you. Let's keep looking. Verse 18. This then is the family line of Perez, well, pastor did such a good job last week of talking about the groups of 10 generations. He went through 30 generations with you last week. Yeah. That's incredible. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of, of Aminadab, Amenadab, the father of Nashan, Nashan the father of Salmon. Salmon of Boaz. Boaz of Obed. Obed of Jesse. And Jesse of David. See, what happened to Ruth? Because she understood the spirit of adoption, she is in the succession of the Messiah. She moved her succession from being an enemy of God to being in the family, in the line of succession of the Christ. Her line was changed forever. See, that should give us no reason for fear or doubt in this room today. These ideas that we keep clinging to, that we keep running to, that we keep holding to, why are you afraid of anything? You've had a name change. If you've actually had a name change, if you've had your inheritance change, then your succession is also changed. You have every reason for hope. You have absolutely every reason for confidence. What you heard Pastor Eric say is, if you turn to the Lord even a little bit today in response, He is going to overwhelm you with His presence. You have every reason for confidence. He changed an enemy of God like Ruth into one who is honored to be part of the succession of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What an incredible thought for us today. Beyond what we could ever reach. Beyond what we could ever even hope for. And yet it is assured to us because we're reaching for a thousand generations. That's our goal. But it's because of the spirit of adoption that's upon us. The spirit of adoption changes your succession
0: Forever. Amen. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 19. Does this bring hope to you guys this morning? It is to me. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday, and today shall I make you wonder about with us when I do not know where I'm going. Go back and take your countrymen. May kindness and faithfulness be with you. You are a stranger, a foreigner. King David is saying, why do you want to be adopted into the blessings and curses of my family banner? Why do you want to join this? Look what it's doing to me. Go home. Avoid yourself from this consequence. It's okay. You've only been here one day. (laughs) There's no obligation for you to be here. But let's read on about Ittai's response to King David. But Ittai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my Lord the King lives, wherever my Lord the King may be, whether it means life or death, there your servant will be says, this is way, way too precious to just overlook. Do you hear the longing? Do you hear the cry of Abba Father coming from Ittai? That cry for the spirit of adoption. That's in his response to King David. His attitude says, I will do anything to be part of what you have happening here because I am positioned next to a king to the matter of life and death, the extent I'm willing to go to fully embrace the blessings and curses of your family banner because there are no limits to me wanting to share in your name, share in your banner. His attitude was, I have found what I have always been looking for. The day that I was born again, there I sat in my bedroom now fully reconciled with the living God, receiving that Spirit of adoption, and I stood with a new name in Christ, and was willing to go to the point of life and death to adhere myself to a King, because I had finally found what i had been looking for. I was no longer a slave; I'd become a son, Amen. like the Spirit, like itai, the Spirit of adoption. It changes our name.
1: As we get ready to close. Do you have the same hearts, passions as Ittai, the Gittite today? See, it's one thing for us to be challenged by a man who's lived a long time ago. Do you have that same fondness to say, this is what I've always been longing for? Or has it become a little mundane to you? Has the power of the Holy Spirit moving in our midst and prophecies that are so on point, does that become normal to you? Has it become commonplace in your heart? Or are you still like Ittai? Look, I only need to be here for a day before I realize what this place has got. Yeah. It doesn't take any amount of time at all. It doesn't take any thought at all. It's clear what God has here and that's the only place that I want to be. Let's continue to read on in verse 22. David said to Ittai, go ahead, march on with your bad self. So Ittai the Gittite. Ittai the Israelite. Marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. See, Ittai and all his men and all the families. Do you hear that progression there? Ittai, one life. All the men that are with you, one family, one tribe, and all the families that are with you, that nation that you're building there, you go on with your bad self because you've picked the right thing. Do you know that Ittai becomes a general over a third of the forces that Israel possesses? A third, a general in God's army. What can you become if you have the same attitude that Ittai has? What is your portion in your cup that God has designed for you? If you will but find that what God has placed before you is so valuable. It's so precious to you. That neither life nor death nor blessings or curses are going to keep you from going after what God has done for you. Man, this reminds me. It's I wasn't one of David's mighty men, but it reminds me of his mighty men. You realize that David had enemies of God that became mighty men fighting with him? He had Hittites. He had Amorites. He had all kind of other ites that were there. Many enemies of God who were turned into something legendary, epic, because of this spirit of adoption that came upon them. I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. It says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Wow. Come on. <laughs> See, what we can lay down when we first become a believer, you cannot be anything other than a Christian first. Yeah. You can't be Ecuadorian or Nigerian or American or Ivory Coastian or Cracker Whiten. See, you can't be anything before you're a Christian, but you know what happens when you lay those things down as you mature? You know what the Lord allows you to do? He allows you to celebrate the differences in your family. You can enjoy them. It doesn't remove male and female. He's saying that your value in the kingdom is no longer based on whether you're male or female, Israeli or not. He's saying your value is the same, but we still have males and females in the room, don't we? See, we're able to enjoy the differences once we understand that our name is derived from the heavens. Amen. We have a singular name and that is the unity that we're talking about. We're each to get our name from Him because He's adopted us. Amen. The spirit of adoption gives us our name, our identity, and our reputation.
0: Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And you also In this thousand generation series, what well, we're making a point in that the fulfillment of a thousand generations is accomplished through the receiving of the spirit of adoption. Requirement of being dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to guard it, to transmit it, to replicate it. We need the power of the Holy Ghost at work.
2: Wow, I absolutely am loving this, aren't you? There's a few thoughts that we were going to dwell on as we close. I got to tell you one that struck me as a little interesting, huh? My family is not done yet. Hmm. Honey, we're going to have more kids. (laughs) If you don't understand that, at every age in here, even if you've had a vasectomy, you need to look at your family and say, we're going to have more kids. The spirit of adoption means that you are having more kids. I want to tell you that it is not just a spirit of adoption. Acts 1.8 says it this way, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. The very last thing that Jesus said to them. Was not that they had received a spirit of adoption, but more like they had a spirit that would help them to make other sons through adoption. See, we've been talking a great deal about you being adopted. But the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that others can be adopted. That is how you get to a thousand generations. Listen, it's about time we hit our spiritual puberty. Because when you hit a spiritual puberty, what happens is you actually have the ability not just to be the recipient of life, but you can go and make life. The same spirit that brought you into the family is upon you and says, Hey, we've got to go participate in making more spiritual signs. Oh, church, you know what? We're growing up in here. Something happens that's kind of interesting. This all began in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was having revival, but when it moves to Judea, if if the fire had waned a little bit in Jerusalem, they see what's happening on what's happening in Judea, and they're like, "Oh, oh, don't forget us, Lord! You started with us, but it provokes something in you to see new sons come in." This is what Matthew was talking about when Peyton came in. It's also true when Linton came in. It's also true when so many of you came in. It reminds all of us what it was like to be adopted as sons in the kingdom. And you start wanting to fan back into flame something that was happening in there. This is the whole tenor of Romans 9 through 11. Paul knew that if revival would happen among the crazy Gentiles, it would stoke something in the hearts of his own people who were the first to be adopted. Well, that same principle is true here. The slave looks and goes, oh, yeah, it's a click, they're, they're better, I can't succeed, woe is me. But the son goes, oh, I remember when I felt that and I want it again. Yeah. Oh, how do we need a filling with the Holy Ghost in here this morning? Because he is not only the spirit of your adoption, he's the spirit of the next guy's yeah. adoption. I want to just run through a few with you. Everybody knows who who's Paul's son was, right? Timothy. That's what everybody says. First Timothy 1.18 says it. Timothy, my son. You hear it again though. How about Philemon 10? I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Who in here would have ever said Onesimus? You think Paul had one son and it's because he was Jewish. What about Titus. Titus 1, four to Titus, my true son in our common faith. If I'd asked you, who is Paul's true son, what would you have said? Timothy. Yeah. We are too limited in our spiritual reproduction. If you have been adopted into a family, i got to tell you, that spirit of adoption flows through you to us others. All you want is them to come and taste of the good things that you have. And here's the good news. What Let me say it like Isaiah said it. The eunuch, he can't say I'm only a dry tree. <laughs> no, you end up with names better than sons and daughters. You end up with a family full of pillars in the temple of our God. But it's going to take diligence. You won't be able to be flighty. You won't be able to just kind of float around aimlessly. You're going to have to raise the great canon of God's word. Take your target on a thousand generations and be diligent about it. And you know what will happen? Of every age in this room, every person in this room, God will begin to give you spiritual offspring. And for some of you, Matthew mentioned it and he was right to do so. Wade commented on it. For some of you, I don't know if you caught it, Eleazar of Damascus, Abram was willing to give him everything like a spirit of adoption. But because of that spirit of adoption, God made sure that Abraham's natural offspring received the promise. For some of you, the very best way to redeem what you can't redeem that was in the past is to move forward adopting in the future. Spiritual son, spiritual son, spiritual son. And one day, God will again open the eyes of your original children to the goodness of what is going on in the home. i got to tell you, I've seen it firsthand through a lot of years. Today, we don't just want to come into Christ as adopted sons. Today, when we reach this altar, we're asking God to anoint us with His Spirit of adoption for them. Friends, that is exactly... What being Pentecostal is. It's not shifty, beady eyes. It's not ugly hair. It's not ugly wardrobes. It's not a life of restriction. The Pentecostal experience is when they received the power to go make sons and daughters that look like God. We're going to reclaim that together today. To reach a thousand generations, we're going to need every Christian in the room to finally enter into puberty. That's what we're going to need. Look, we're going to pray here. Pastors are going to spread out. They're going to put their hands on your head and keep moving. And the reason we're going to do it, when you have confidence that you are a son, you want to go make sons. You want to go make more of what you are. When you do not have confidence in what you are, you're nervous to go make more. You bring us your lost stray puppies. You don't know what to do because you're not sure who you are. The first thing we have to square away in this room is your identity in Christ. The second thing that we have to do is say, go spread what God has done in you selflessly, sacrificially. Go make sons and daughters. And what you do for others' families, you watch, God will do for yours. It just takes time. We are going to hit a thousand generations. We're going to take the next 10 years so seriously that we have hundreds of families sewn into hundreds of nations. But it all starts with your own identity in Christ. So we want to pray for two groups of people. We're not even going to ask you. We're not going to divide. We're not doing all of that. We want to pray for the person that is struggling to be strong and defined in Christ. In other words, your convictions are not absolute. You're still trying to figure it out. Your discernment is all over the place. In Christ, but that's what you are. We want to solidify you today. The spirit of adoption, His character in you. Then for the other group, it's like, I know who I am in Christ. I'm just trying to figure out how to be more confident about this. And Man, you get mad passionate for the family values and you will go make spiritual sons and daughters. We want to pray for your empowerment today. We're going to need each other for this. We're all, every single family, no one left out. We're going to need you for this. If you're trying to reach a thousand generations, you can't afford to give up one. We need each other for this. We're not going to elect our famous evangelist. If I were, I would elect Ibrahim. Instead, we're all going to participate in the spirit of evangelism. Amen? Y'all stand to your feet and let's pray together. It wasn't just Paul. Peter calls John Mark his true son in the faith. The truth is, is you're hard pressed to find anybody who's actually in the faith that doesn't make sons. It's like trying to find an apple tree that can't make apples. We need to rise to this call today. The only way we can do it is to ask him to fill us afresh. And then when he does, don't waste it. Immediately run out and do it. We're not talking about momentary evangelism, we're talking about lifelong relationships. Father, we're asking now in the name of Jesus that on every heart in this room You would solidify character. You would solidify conviction. That in every heart in this room You would empower us for the great harvest of Your sons and daughters. That they would become full-time eternal family members. Lord, we're praying for the fraternity of believers. We're praying for the family. That starts in heaven and extends to the earth. Let your spirit of adoption come upon us. That we might go and pour that spirit upon others. We are no longer slaves. But we are sons that make sons. In the name of Jesus.